Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener of One of a Kind You, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I'm so excited that you're here. If you are a new listener of One of a Kind You, welcome, welcome. I'm to have you join us as well. So the way this podcast works is I usually share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago when I was in the thick of the struggle um, and reflect on what I know now as a life coach and what I, I wish I had known then. But today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Kara Bell, uh, Carol, Kara Tuttle Bell. Sorry, I completely butchered that. And um, she is going to talk to us about assertiveness and boundaries and looking for signs in unhealthy relationships and which all of my regular listeners know that, that I was in an unhealthy relationship in my teens and my early 20s. So a super passionate women navigate through those situations. And so um, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let her take it away and tell us more about herself. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, um, of course. Yes, I am Kara Tuttle Bell, and um, I'm the author of Drowning in Timidity on Women, Politeness, and the Power of Assertive Living. And I regularly give workshops on assertiveness training, um, kind of the 101 type, but also using it strategically. Sometimes some of us need to dial back the aggressiveness, and so there's some sessions yes. on that. Um, or moving from passivity or passive aggressiveness and um, things that are related to that, like persuasive communications. Um, I'm trained as a lawyer and um, in my you know, day job, I address sexual harassment and assault on the college campus. And so uh -huh. all of this work is, is connected um, in, yes. in some way, but a lot of the conversations that I have and, and have had over the past you know, 20 years of, of my career have been about setting boundaries, creating and maintaining those boundaries, um, doing what we can to cultivate healthy relationships and recognizing the warning signs um, when they're veering into unhealthy territory or abusive territory, um, and then handling those situations as well and sometimes rebuilding, sometimes supporting others, whatever it may be. But um, I've found that assertiveness is so necessary to living authentically and, and being healthy and taking care of ourselves and advocating for others really as a daily practice and as a tool that, that we use often. Um, and I wrote the book because I was having a lot of people come to me when they wanted to use it now and then, right? Use assertiveness mm -hmm. occasionally. Um, a lot of times it's like, I need to negotiate a salary or I'm going to ask for some time off. And listen, I'm happy to have those cramming last minute conversations. Always will do that for friends. It's better than not doing anything, but yes. you're just not going to do it as well as if you had cultivated it as, as a skill, right? You're, you, mm -hmm. I hope you can fake it Till you make it through the moment, but really what I'm trying to um, urge others to do is to, to practice it and use it um, really, I, I mean, every single day, right? And I think yes. it, it will yield so much of um, a benefit for you that, that we're really not often taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you get started um, in the field of working on teaching assertiveness skills 
and boundaries and things like that? Well, initially I'm trying to learn this for myself, right? So this has been a very personal journey. Um, I was a good student and probably well-behaved and had kind of strict parents. Um, but I, I mean, I have a like feisty nature in there and opinions of my own, but, but when I was younger, they were kind of fighting to come out or I would, um, overthink things. Right. And, and two days later be like, Oh, I wish I'd said that, you know? So there was the sense of that. I wasn't showing up as fully as I wanted to. I wasn't speaking up as often as I wanted to. So part of it was this personal journey where I'm like, I need to learn how to do this and do this better. And it, I, I liked public speaking, but I was afraid of it. And then I went to law school and (laughs) you don't have to go to law school for this, but it definitely is part of the same journey, right? And I, yes. and I loved the academic side of law school, but I did find the um, arguing, standing up, being called on, um, the confrontational nature of it difficult and anxiety producing. But it is good practice for all of that, right? And so the law, law degree yes. is a, a strong foundation. It's a good backbone for approaching the work. And my career has been focused on advocating for others um, and complying with laws, but I'm, but I'm really advocating for those who experience sexual harassment and assault. So I'm always doing institutional advocacy or national like mm-hmm. lobbying for, for us to be better and, and do this more holistically. And part of that on college campuses since about 2014 has been asking us to train college students in bystander intervention. So bystander intervention technique. Yes. We're all bystanders. I know all about it. Great. Yeah. Great. I mean, I did mentors in violence prevention in college. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes. E- exactly. So there's so much potential in it. But tell our, tell the listeners, cause I'm like, oh, I know all about oh, it, but not everybody yes. does. So let me sure. stop and have you tell us about bystander like what the college students are actually learning. Cause it's so, I mean, even as adults, we really could use this. Yes. I really do want everyone to get on, you know, this, this journey, but um, the U S in particular has really focused on offering it to college students um, for over the past five years. Right. So this is often, we're just getting ready for back to school time. This is often a part of orientation now for them. Um, and I'm happy to teach it to college students, but I wish people got it so much sooner. And the parents, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that. They need to join this too. So please learn more. The idea yes. is we're all bystanders, really like yes. it or not. You just exist in the world. Things happen around you. We choose to acknowledge those things or not. We choose to respond or not. Now, a lot of us were raised to mind our own business right? Yes. As an approach. And I'm, I'm hesitating. I'm pausing because I don't believe in this. I don't believe there's a neutral. Yeah. There's not a neutral position. If you're letting things happen, at what point do you become complicit, right? And so bystander right. intervention is, is trying to train us to see our potential to create positive change, to disrupt moments that are at risk for, I mean, I would say at risk for offending someone, harming someone, assaulting someone at risk for violence. It it really has this broad applicability and Mm -hmm. giving you some options. There's different strategies and training you also to think through 
your own likely obstacles because it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard for you to intervene and, and we've got every motivation not to, you know, yes. um, you can talk yourself out of it. You can hesitate so long it becomes irrelevant, but I think we've all been there. I think we have had a situation and our gut was telling us something's off and you didn't know what to do. Um, and then it is, who are you in this situation? Some people, some people are the swoop in and act that I'm just going to ask. I'm going to check yeah. in. Other people yeah. are the stand back and watch who kind of wring their hands and worry and are not sure what to do. So bystander intervention is not requiring that you put yourself in harm's way. It's not asking us to swoop in and be superheroes. It's really not. But it is the idea that everyone can do something. Mm-hmm. And it's often really small. And so sometimes that may mean delegating. Okay. So if you see something happening from afar, um, if I'm driving home to see my mother in rural Indiana, I don't pull over and help every stranded vehicle. I don't feel safe doing so, especially if I'm driving at night. But I have learned, okay, like to think through what is the thing I could do. So then I ha- would call local law enforcement and say, I just passed an abandoned vehicle. I just passed mile marker, such and such. I'm headed this way. And they can dispatch someone to go check on that person. I don't have to do that. That's just one example. Um, students, though, can call my office at work and say, I saw this couple fighting in front of a campus building. It seemed like it was really escalating. I didn't know what to do. That's also delegating. They don't have to know what to do. I'll walk over there. I feel fine in this you know, environment. I'll walk over there um, and just say, hey, is everything okay? And if it looks risky to me, then you know, again, I might call for appropriate backup who can address unsafe situations. But if it's, if it's just my friends and somebody's being inappropriate, then I can address that directly and say, hey, you know what I mean? I don't think that language is really appropriate. Like what's going, can we take a breath? And so direct is one strategy um, for college students. What they love actually is the distract, create a distraction strategy, because that's what they're comfortable doing. So say yeah. they're at a party, say people are, are maybe flirting with each other, dancing with each other, deciding if, if they're going to go back to a, an apartment or a room together. And the students think one person's maybe too intoxicated to know exactly what they're doing. The distraction could be to go up to someone and say, hey, I think your car's getting towed and create just a disruption in the moment where they can check in and decide and maybe rescue someone if they need it, you know, mm-hmm. but at least just, just have a little bit of a moment of reflection. So there's other strategies, creating a delay, um, sometimes documenting like really responsible phone and, and video usage. Cause we do have the ability to do some good things through that. Now yes. people do some bad things through that, but there are yes. tools there. So we just didn't want college students and I don't want anyone thinking, I don't know what to do. There's nothing for me to do. And it's just like everything else. If you go through scenarios and you practice, you get better at it. But what we found is they were getting the theory. They were learning it, you know, um, but they were lacking the confidence. And I think the assertiveness necessary to put those into action. So what I've been doing is rolling in some of these assertiveness training exercises 
And a lot of this isn't new. We had phases of assertiveness training in the 70s. Another you know, trendy phase was in the 90s, mostly for women. Okay, so there's lots of books, lots of used books, lots of like so many tools available. You might cringe at some of the scenarios. Okay, yes. listen, I've read a bunch of like, I've read hundreds of books on this now. The 70s books, yes, there's some stuff that we're just going to let go. Okay, but they're really good <laughs> concepts and practice and exercises in there. Um, and so right. what I was trying to do is like bring them into 2022, you know, like let's update yes. them and then bring it yes. forward because um, I don't see a whole lot of assertiveness. I see the other options. I see aggressiveness. I see passive aggressiveness or just passivity and assertiveness is fear and direct and clear communication. And so to me, it fits into these conversations that we're having about being present, about being authentic, about social justice. And so I, it's a word I like people to be comfortable with. So do you think that sometimes people mistake aggressiveness for assertiveness? I, t- I really do. Um, so it's a bit of reclaiming the word and clarifying the ideas. And I think we are real sexist in our application. So if we think, you know, an assertive woman might be labeled aggressive because we're not yes. used to that kind of direct communication or holding your position or being yes. firm um, from women all the time, right? We, we're, we're used to that um, model of uh, male leadership. We are used mm-hmm. to uh, some of that behavior um, from, you know, by fathers in a family setting. So, so gender norms are part of this, but um and I do think the eighties, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, you know, I do think like eighties movies yes. messages were like, yes, dog eat dog world and climb your, you know, claw your way yes. to the top. And that's, that's very much a part of like, um, American business capitalist talk. Yes. And I don't think that's what assertiveness is. And when you look in the definitions and you yes. study this, that's not what assertiveness is. That is what aggression is. And aggressive behavior yes. is unfair is steamrolling, is my cause, my issue, my wants at all costs and forget about everything else, right? Everyone else. And we do see that, okay? And some mm-hmm. people are looking for that when they come to assertiveness training. They're like, okay, I want to, to get more. And I have to you know, set expectations at the beginning. It's like, I'm not gonna teach you to be aggressive because one, it's, it's wrong, <laughs> you know, like you and potentially harmful, but two, it's not effective in the long term. You might get what you want out of one fight, out of one conversation, out of one meeting, but in the long term, you're teaching people not to talk to you, not to work with you, that you're unpleasant, you know, you're not fostering relationships, collaboration, yeah. you're not advancing your cause because we're infringing upon the rights and, and wants of others. So assertiveness is the clear and direct place to be like on the spectrum of behavior um, is the approach that does advocate for you or your cause or for others while considering the interests, rights, space, dignity of others. So sometimes it's, you know, firm, but fair or clear, like I'm one of many opinions in the room. I'm one of many decision makers in the room, but I have room to talk and, and participate and should be able to participate fully without necessarily trampling the rights of others and just pushing until I get my way. 
Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think like thinking back on my own self, I've been on all ends of the spectrum where I haven't been a, a brave enough to say anything. And for my own boundaries and my own well-being, my own sense of self. And then I've been at the other end of the spectrum where um, I think in my mind, I was being assertive, but I was actually being aggressive for my own self, but for others. So um, I'm also a Gen Xer, but when my husband and I first started dating, we were at a bar with a group of his friends and there was this guy who was just obliterated drunk. And I'd only met these girls one time, but like I said, I, my previous relationship was unhealthy. So at that point I was like crusading for all women's rights and no woman will be mistreated by a guy. It doesn't matter if I know them or not. And so this guy tried to come up to this girl and ask her for her number. And he spilled his beer down the front of her. And I, I don't even know how he was standing. He was so drunk. And the poor thing looked like a deer in headlights. She was completely caught off guard and clearly did not know what to do. And I was like, Kim to the rescue. And I just marched right over, grabbed his arm. And I was like, she is not talking to you. And he looked at me and I was like, I'm not talking to you. I'm like, I don't care if you're talking to me or not. You're out of here. Like, and I was trying to get him away. The bouncers didn't stop me. They just let me go at it. And he just kept slurring. Like, I'm not talking to you. I was like, but I'm talking to you. Leave. She's not giving you her number. And he was completely just so like at that point, a bouncer should have really stepped in and removed him from the environment because he should not have been there any longer. But I was like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to teach him. That's not how you treat women. A little much, Kim, a little much. Well, you know, listen, same. Let's, we are human. Okay. You're going to be all over. Like the listeners should realize that there are times when you're going to be passive and that's okay. Yes. It's okay. There yes. are, I mean, I don't really recommend passive aggressive because right. it just ends up biting us, right? That just yes. ends up us being resentful, not mm-hmm. being able to sleep being mad that yes. people aren't reading our mind. Why aren't they getting yes. like secret coded messages? But Yes. Passivity sometimes is okay. Sometimes it's the safest thing to do. Sometimes you've got to recharge. You got to choose your battles. You know, sometimes it's not worth it. Then sometimes, yeah, especially when work is kind of intense, I take it home. And then I'm like, you got to dial it back. You can't be functioning in one gear, which I'm calling assertive, but it's really because of stress and burnout. Yes. So you're going to, you're going to have all of it. It's, it's just a way to, consider your behavior and bring it back and be really strategic. I mean, it is like, I want people to, to know what it is and use it strategically. It doesn't mean there are, it doesn't mean you have to be calm and Zen. I mean, I'm not, I'm a passionate person, you know, um, okay. I think I'm, I'm, I'm against sexual harassment and assault. I think I'm right, you know, and there are times yes. where I'm passionate about that, but, but just as a, as a daily practice and as a method and how we're showing up, um, and what's fair and appropriate for the circumstances, usually that's assertiveness rather than one or the other, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I feel you, I would have been, I would have been offended and outraged on her behalf. Yeah. I was like squeezing his <laughs> bicep as hard as I possibly could. Why I couldn't even get my hand. Right. I couldn't even get my whole hand around his arm, but I was squeezing. I was like, he is never going to spill his drink on someone again. If it's the last thing I do, it's like, Kim, he's going to do it again tomorrow night, sister. So you need to just keep on walking. <laughs> the journey you were on though, makes a lot of sense, right? Yes. So, because, and we do, 
often find our, like people find this confidence in a surge, you know, where they're like, I'm not, yeah. especially if we're, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to yeah. um, show up differently in the world. Um, and I'm actually fine with the phase, you know, I mean, I want you to be safe, but like, and, yeah. then, and then we calm down a little bit and we learn how, <laughs> a yes. different way to be um, that's more sustainable in yeah. the long run. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. So when you notice that you're kind of out of balance and you're like, wait a second, I'm being way too aggressive when all I need is some assertiveness or you see it with other people. Is there something that you do or that, that other people could do to reel it back in so that we're not just like these aggressive beings trudging all over the place? Yes. I mean, I'm also, I don't know if anyone's into the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram eight, you know, yes. um, and that's, that can be passionate like uh, advocate, or that can be the challenger, you know, like you could find a fight if you're looking for it. So the, I I do get to, you know, if I'm really preparing for a meeting and I I gear up and like armor, and then I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I'm getting my red lipstick or my, you know, tough, tough dress or jacket, like whatever it is that amps you up, listen to Tina Turner, you know, like I have all these things (laughs) for when I need to show up and be fierce. And so then I go into the meeting too primed for that sometimes. Cause then I'm like, Oh, they're already ready to agree with me. And I am, I have hyped myself up. So then I do have to, um, take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's really breathing exercises are your friend then. Yeah. It's, I use the breathing exercise or just the moment, the, just the moment and the pause in a lot of the workshops. Um, Cause sometimes I have people who say, well, this doesn't feel natural to me. I feel upset when I'm in a confrontational moment. What if I feel, feel tears coming? Or what if I just want to what if I'm hurt and I want to, you know, respond in a, a really snappy way that's not actually constructive? The answer for all of these things is take a deep breath, you know, uh, ask yourself some questions, right? Like a lot of the work at the beginning of assertiveness training is self-reflection. You got to know mm-hmm. who you are, what's coming up from you. Some of it's writing exercises or, or other reflections. You can do it with a partner. It's, it's a to each their own. There's lots of different methods mm-hmm. out there, but you have to know who you are and how you're already likely to respond and then come up with a strategy to pause that or delay that so that you can reframe it and respond differently. And when you practice, it it becomes routine. It becomes, I mean, for me, it's now like a 30 seconds. Okay, what meeting am I going into? How do I need to approach this? Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm softer and nicer and friendlier and less efficient, which is hard for me because I want to be like, okay, here's what we need to accomplish and like just plow through. so it's, it's this period of reflection. So, so work that you're probably already doing, whether that's for stress relief or to be present um, or, or to build strength. I mean, the concepts are the same, just apply it to assertiveness. Um, Things you ignore will go unaddressed or will fester. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's that way for assertiveness, when we think of communication, it, it can be a form of communication. It's if you want to address issues in your relationship, you're you're going to have to speak 
to them, you know, like you're, you're going to have to bring it up. Yeah. So as much as I can control the circumstances that helps me maintain any emotional response. So it is really choosing when to have the conversation, write out some notes, write out like your, your, you know, top five things and try to stick to that or come back to that. Um, you got to think about who I'm having the conversation with, because it's going to vary. If it's my boss at work, mm-hmm. that's one thing. If it's my romantic partner and they've hurt my feelings, that's another, you know? Yes. Um, or the neighbor. Yeah, or, or the neighbor, right? The kid's teacher or another mom friend or yes, it's an acquaintance. Vary. Right. So there's yes. not one way to do this. And prep work, particularly at first, is is homework worth doing, right? Like, what do mm-hmm. I have to gain in this situation? What do I need to maintain? What am I willing to lose? You know, because yeah. um, I might want people to know that they hurt my feelings or that I'm mad or I'm frustrated. Sometimes we think they need to know that what they did is wrong, but we cannot control how they receive the information. We can package it as best we can, but we can't make them care. We can't make them hear us the way we want to be heard, but our best bet is just being clear and direct and actually fair to them in whatever their circumstances are. Yes. The feelings that we have, friends, the feelings are valid. Your feelings are valid. Okay. Yes. But but communicating based just on our emotional response does not always get us to where we need to go. So assertiveness then is that tool for packaging our communication in a way that's going to maximize um, hopefully our wants and needs, but health and well-being, right? So it, it brings together a lot of different approaches that people are taking right now to try to, to be healthier um, and cultivate space where we can find it, reduce stress where we can find it, and, and just yeah. be more committed to well-being. Um, but sometimes I think it's a missing piece, right? Because it's like we can't yeah. improve all of these different relationships we can't advocate for ourselves better in medical appointments you know it's like if you can't tap into some assertiveness from time to time so I don't know where you the individual might need it but I do know it can be learned I've learned it it can be transformative you know and beneficial and it's usually worth doing you know you find that you can survive the tough conversation you can survive the tough meeting um you'll get way more wins than you ever thought possible. Sometimes instantly, sometimes it takes a few years, to, but you know, you can change your life in really positive yeah. ways. Yeah. And I think so often people feel like they're, they're shy, like, oh, I'm just a shy person or, oh, well, you know, I tried to speak up for myself before and it didn't work. So then they use just that one instance or maybe two instances. And then they throw in the, te- like, they're that, like, that's it. I can never be assertive. Right. I do see that. I do hear that. I, I can tell, cause I have some like talking points that I use early on in a presentation where I say, some of you um, may be the people who on the sidewalk always move out of the way. Some yes. of you may never get an armrest on a plane. Right. Yes. Um, if this is you, <laughs> you know, then you might be starting um, on some of the earlier exercises. And this may feel really hard for you. This may feel like work. It yeah. may feel like exercise. You can't go run a marathon. You know, like I, get, I can't run a marathon right now. I'm not prepared to do any of that. So 
you got to start small, start with the low stakes stuff, right? Start where it's not going to feel devastating if it's not successful. So hotel stays or trips, these are really good ways to practice. Um, because your hotel has lots of things, actually. It has a toothbrush, it has a razor, it may have a robe, you know. Um, So these are really low stakes ways to practice things like calling and asking for something that, yeah, sure, you could survive without, okay? But would it make your life a little bit better to have? Ask for that. So starting with small asks that no one even has to know about, okay? You can also play the game of chicken as you navigate the world. See how long you can last without moving on the sidewalk. All right. I don't yes. want you to crash into people. I don't want you to harm <laughs> yourselves in any way. But, you know, it's, it's about like, okay, I am going to claim this space over here and, you know, have a bit of the armrest and see how long it lasts Be- because you're going to have to experience discomfort. It is going to feel like you're putting yourself out there a little bit in a way you don't normally, but you will find that you will survive. You know, and this is, this has been a really important like decade and a lesson for me too, is when I came into the job, that was absolutely tough work worth doing. I knew it would be a challenge. You know, I knew that like, on the one hand, um, everyone knows that sexual harassment and assault are wrong. Okay. So I've got, I've got a foundation to start from, but I want people to change their behavior to change norms to address things um and then you don't have as much support as as people might think and so it it became like my job and my responsibility to sit in the meeting and not yield and to say this is wrong and to speak truth to power and to make powerful people uncomfortable and say this is unacceptable or what you're saying is not enough um, and protect a vulnerable population And so lots of the meetings and conversations are intimidating. And it's not that I am a fearless person. And sometimes people think, you know, they just think, oh, they were born with it. You know, they, she just doesn't care what people think about her or, you know, she knows it's worth doing. And I, I don't feel that way at all. I mean, I have anxiety. I have insecurities. I have nights where I'm like thinking through things and not sleeping well, but here's what I know. It is worth it. It is worth it because then when you get the change or you get whatever it is that a person needs to, to be taken care of, all of that, all of that anxiety, it goes away. You know, it was tough work worth doing. And then you get benefits on the other side. Like I can sleep, I can rest knowing I showed up and gave my all right. I'm not holding on to wringing my hands, processing what I need to do. I've tried to do it. So it's a, it's a a pressure release valve also is you did, you showed up and you did your job. You weighed in, you participated in the meeting, you did what we're here to do and people can take it or leave it, but you tried. So it's, it is sometimes courage, you know, but it doesn't mean there's not fear behind it or discomfort. There is, but the, the decision you have to make is I'm worth it. And what I need is worth it. And what this person needs is worth it to survive a moment um, or a few hours, you know, of discomfort. Because the alternative is not addressing the problem, which is going to impact you for many, many more hours indefinitely, right? Because it remains unaddressed. 
So sometimes it's short versus long-term thinking. Sometimes it's choosing your battles. Um, it's being strategic. It's not though. It's not, I'm going to show up and go hard and, and, and be rough with people and insult people yeah. as a practice on a regular being, you know, like, and sometimes people think it is, but that's alienating and often doesn't meet our needs. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I do. You know, we all have days like that where they're like, no, I'm not putting up with this today. But is it serving your long-term goals? That's where assertiveness is bringing you back to, you know, a sense of, of fairness and balance. Yes. And I think when people see that you are demonstrating some level of assertiveness, that you are making that effort to take a stand in a way that's not aggressive, but instead that's in a way that's fair and, um, I forget the other word you used, fair and... I think I said balance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so people see that and then they think they make a mental note because then you're no longer seen as that person who is passive. Um, They they take note, they're like, okay, well, mm, last time I tried to pull one over on Kara and she actually pushed back. And so I think next time I'm really not going to try and pull one over on her again. And so that's where it's like, it might feel uncomfortable. It might feel like a challenge, but that's where the, the practice of it comes in. And then as you see, it's almost like you also are rewiring your brain for your brain to be like, oh, this isn't nearly as bad as I was thinking. It's going to be like, I am actually capable of doing this. Oh, okay. So guess what? The next time it gets a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. Exactly. Exactly. You are rewiring your brain and your nervous system. And you're also restructuring your relationships because people will learn pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. They, they, and adjust and it's okay. It, because mm-hmm. the people for whom it's not okay, if they're not fine with your boundaries, the question is, is like, do the, yeah, do these people need to be in your life to the same extent yeah. if they're invested in getting their way all of the time and not considering your wants and needs and feelings, right? So it may be illuminating uh, for some of your relationships, but what you're going to find is a lot of people are going to respect the boundaries that you're setting and learn quickly Mm -hmm. and then also engage with you in the way that you're modeling for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the whole mirroring thing. Cause sometimes people are just completely unaware. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that they're doing something inappropriate, which is, it sounds silly to think like, how could you not know were you raised under a rock? But, uh, they really don't because their life experiences are different from other people's life experiences. So what's normal for them or completely out there for them is not the same. And sometimes they're on their own little Island where Mm -hmm. it's like everybody else is on the same page, except this one person, but they almost have to be taught themselves. So it's like, sometimes, yes, they're adults and you are like, okay, it's time to leave the Island. It's time to join the rest of the group. This is how you do this. And they will, you know, no one wants to be isolated and left out. So they're going to do what they can to get on board and join the group. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're, uh, a lot of people don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Some people do, yeah. and they're doing it intentionally, but a lot of people yes. don't know. And if it's gone unchecked for long enough, it is going to take someone 
pressing pause, you know, it, it, you don't have to come on with a sledgehammer. It is just a, I want to go back to, to this aspect I was discussing. It, it, it can be these very gentle redirects of mm-hmm. not letting someone steamroll, take charge of the meeting, ignore everybody else's input, right? It, it, it can, yes. it can be gentler than maybe many people are imagining, but it is work worth doing. It just, it, it can transform a conversation, a relationship, a meeting, a workplace, a community organization, but yeah, someone has to do it, right? Like the, it, yeah. otherwise things will just continue as is. Yeah. And I think too, it then sets the precedent for other people in your group yes. who are wanting to be more assertive, but they don't feel like they can be. So then you're paving the way, not only for yourself, but for them too. And then it's more of a united front because now you have other people who are stepping up to be assertive. And so then the, um, the aggressive people are outnumbered or the passive aggressive people are now outnumbered. And so then it just, it's like killing all the kindness. It just starts spreading, 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 spreading. It does. It, I mean, and I've seen it and you can have a buddy system. You can have a, a partner an assertiveness partner, especially in the, in a workplace or a group or even in a family. Okay. You can say like, I think I'm going to raise this issue with mom at family dinner. Yes. You can plan that and, and, and have the person who's like, I'll bring it up and I need you to have my back. Absolutely. Now, what was yes. missing, I think, so in if you read assertiveness manuals or books or look at the materials from the 70s and the 90s, it was very individual focused. And a lot of the messaging still is, you can learn how to negotiate your salary, but then it stops, right? So I hope all of us get a raise get the thing we're asking for. But what I don't want us to do is stop with the self or stop there. What I argue in my book and what I really hope assertiveness training and and theory goes is the sense of collective responsibility that you're mentioning. I Mm -hmm. want it to be contagious and be collaborative and be less individualistic. So Yes, do the work on yourself, but then if, if once you learn it, you got to pass it on. You got to take others yes. with you, right? There's so many issues going on in the world, and a lot of people are very willing to to post something on social media mm-hmm. about it. But where are the actions behind it? That's where it is bystander intervention. All activism is bystander intervention. All community care is bystander intervention, mm-hmm. right? So we've got to have the nerve, not just to do the very comfortable low stakes thing like the awareness ribbon which I'm all for you know yeah the post but what's the next thing where where's the problem and how are we confronting it um which may mean showing up assertively in a space yeah to say that this is wrong this is insufficient we are not addressing this fully you know like I see you other person I see this experience and I want you to know that I also didn't think this was right and we have to do more that's the collective um, assertive behavior that I I hope people embrace um, if they're just now finding assertiveness and assertiveness books and training for the first time that's part of it too yeah yeah and so I would say put the other things down go right to Kara's book because she's done the work. She's read the books. She's dissected them. She's taken what's good and what's not so great. And she's put it all in one place for you. So save yourself the hours of searching the library shelves for the book. Just go to Kara's book. 
she's going to put it, she's giving me the link. It's in the show notes. So you just click that show note link and there you go. There you go. And then that's it. It takes all the headache and the pain out of it. Thank you. I did try yes. to make it really workable and efficient. There's yeah. some exercises in there and you can definitely learn more uh, and find me on, on social media at Kara Tuttle Bell um, or on my website, karatuttlebell.com. Yeah, perfect. And like I said, that's going to be in the show notes. So you don't have to go looking around, clicking here, clicking there everywhere. Cause you know, once you start clicking one place, it leads to the next and then you're in this rabbit hole and you're like, wait, what was I even doing on the phone right now? And so this way you don't have to do that. You just go to the show notes, click the link and boom, you're there. So if someone has questions, are you open to um, email, having email sent to you? If you are on Instagram or yes. Facebook or wherever, um, people lots sending of places. DMs. Okay. Yes, please do. LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you find me. Yeah, um, I welcome messages and I'm really passionate about this and happy to talk. So feel free to contact me. Excellent. So this is awesome. I too am passionate because I'm like, you know, being in the unhealthy relationship when I was 15 till I was 21. Then, um, and I was just talking to my friend today about um, unhealthy relationships. And, you know, of course we were having our moment where like, it's all the men's fault, but us women, we have our own flaws too. But at the right old age of 22, I was like, that's it. I'm going to be single. I don't need to be in a relationship. I can just do it by myself. And then a month later, I met my husband. So that was 18 years ago. So, yes. <laughs> but, and then even after we started dating, once I was on college campuses and I saw some of the shenanigans going on, then I was doing mentors and violence prevention. I was doing sexual health presentations, HIV testing at the local methadone clinic and on campus. So I too, am like, yes. We need more, we need more about boundaries and unhealthy mm -hmm. relationships and assertiveness, because I just don't think that it's talked enough. It's not talked about enough in a way that feels relevant and, and applicable to yeah. using it in real life in the actual day-to-day -day things outside of getting a raise. Right. Right. It, which is worthwhile, but that's yes. just not all it is, right? That's yes. the, um, it's a tool and we are not using it nearly as often as, as we could and should. And so, yes. um, you know, I love to hear it because I do think it's, it can be the thread really that, that connects us through so many different issues, right? Um, if yes. we come back to it, it's just going to equip you to know how to better take care of yourself. Yes. And the thing that always replays over and over in my mind is that if my children see me being mm -hmm. assertive, mm -hmm. I'm modeling for them how to do it. So then when they have times where they're going to need to be assertive, then they're going to be able to do it too, because they've seen it happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like we're, so, we're teaching healthy relationships, you know, yes. um, a lot of us are finding it, you know, in our forties or, or however old you are yes. when you got here and the lessons are always worth learning, but by all means, yes. let's give them sooner to the younger generation. Yes. Yeah. So to the point, sometimes where I laugh, so just quick story, then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But my older daughter will be 13 in December and she, um, was taking French this past school year and she doesn't know like, of course, like only one square French isn't enough to be fluent, but her favorite phrase to say is how many bedrooms does your house have? So she had to go down the high school hallway to get to, she's only in middle school. She had to go down the high school hallway to get to her French class. And of course they only have a very limited amount of time. The high schoolers are in no 
no hurry to get to their classes, but she is. So she started yelling in French, how many bedrooms does your house have in a very assertive way. And the kids started like parting because they, they thought that she was yelling at them. And um, so the, the other girls that she was walking with, they're like, Lily, you can't yell at like they're high school kids. You, you can't do that. And she was like, who cares if they're high school kids? I have to get to class and I'm not about to be late because they're fooling around in the hallway. So she did, she was just yelling it in French. And so when she told me, she said, of course I laughed hysterical. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so my daughter, but really Lily, you're yelling that in the <laughs> with the seniors. And so one day, finally, I think one of the senior boys recognized what she was saying. And so he was with a group of his friends and they were kind of passing. And then he said, seat. He answered her. He told her he has four bedrooms in his house. <laughs> they all started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and, that's great. Just, and the other girls were like, they're like, oh my God, he answered you. And she was like, yeah, whatever. Like we can get like, look, they moved. So now we can get into our classroom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm less worried about her than I am some others, you know, right. that'd be a great distraction too. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. she accomplished her goal that day, right? It's of getting to yeah, her class. She did. So it was, she was like, and if that's not going to work, I'm just going to like, you know, move my back and forth, like, yeah. and hit them with my backpack. I'm like, Lily, you cannot hit them with your backpack. So stick to yelling phrases in <laughs> French. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully she keeps that assertive. We're going to yes. go with assertiveness and not aggressiveness yes. in, all through college and into adulthood I and she doesn't so. lose it, but I yes. So. Oh my gosh. Hysterical. Yeah. So, um, so there's a funny story. So next time you're feeling like you need to be assertive and you're not really sure to just yell a phrase in French. Sure. <laughs> it works. I think that's great advice. Yeah. It's a distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Kara's like, okay, Kim, that's enough. No, I think that's great. I love it. I love to hear it. You know, it's like the, the reason I named my book drowning in timidity is I'm worried about the ones who are just frozen, who didn't know what to do, who move out of the way, who would never speak out loud, who would never raise their voice. So I think that's a perfect story to end on that gives me hope, you know, for the future generation. I'd love to see it. Yes. Yes. So, um, what university do you, um, do your sexual harassment work with Vanderbilt University? Nashville, oh, Vanderbilt. oh, yeah. So I was just in Nashville a couple of weeks ago for a wedding and I was trying to get to downtown and I didn't go right. I went left. So I was driving all through Vanderbilt. It's gorgeous. Yes. Thank you. Yes, it is. It, yeah. it, 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 if it weren't so hot, it would be just beautiful right now. <laughs> yes, it was beautiful to the point where. Uh, we were going to go, you know, do the whole tourist thing in Nashville. And it was like a hundred degrees that day. And so we were like, we'll just drive. Like our plan was yeah. to get out and walk and see music row and walk yeah. downtown. And it was so suffocatingly hot. I was like, we're yeah. going to do the Kim Keen driving tour of Nashville where we have air conditioning. And so we did it. We just drove ourselves all over Nashville, getting lost and going through Vanderbilt university. I think that's a great choice. It is so hot and humid right now. Um, but uh, yeah, Nashville's a fun town. It's a, it's a great yeah. town and the campus is downtown-ish. And so, yes. um, you know, we really get the best of a, a, a lot of the options for being re- here where we are. Yeah. 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 So it was a 13 hour car ride for me to drive oh. from Pennsylvania to Nashville. So next time I come to Nashville, we'll have to do coffee and yes. I'll be flying. Yes. That sounds great. Oh my gosh. So thank you so much for joining us today on one of a kind you. It was a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. 
So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of One of a Kind View. If you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, it would be greatly appreciated. I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support and guidance and really a one-stop shop for resources. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of One of a Kind View, and I will see you next week.